Good morning and welcome to The Breakdown on Latte Firm. It is a nice, warm Sunday and I'm delighted to be joined by Kaya Kainak of Football.London. Kayak, welcome back to the firm for the first breakdown of this new season on the channel because, of course, I was away for the first weekend. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me on. I'm honoured to be the, the first of the season. Also feeling the heat a little bit. So uh, if I start to melt as the, as the show goes on, apologies in advance for that. But it was a red hot Arsenal performance yesterday. So I think we're all pretty happy about that. It really was a red hot performance. Lots of flame emojis in the chat. And get your questions in, by the way, for Kaya at the end. I will pick out one or two questions. I love all the greetings. Everyone's being really kind. Um, there's one here from She War that says FK going for the award of hardest working. And I think She War, Gav, you're, re you're um, referring to the space last night. So if anybody's new to this channel, or if you're tuning in uh, for the first time after a while, uh, Latte Firm on Twitter, we host the biggest and best Arsenal post-match phone-in. So get involved in those in future. Right, Kaya, first home game of the season. Arsenal at the Emirates in the sunshine, as you've just said. I mean, the excitement going into yesterday before we talk about the football, just the atmosphere, the fans. You know, I walked out of Arsenal Tube, took my turn to the right, up the road, across the bridge. It was vibrant. It was a sea of red. Arsenal in their red shirts, in full voice. Mikel Arteta's chant, Sinchenko's awesome chant. You know, we hate Spurs. Like, it just every... It was just the most wonderful um, couple of hours in North London prior to the game. And of course, the game itself, it was just just a brilliant, brilliant atmosphere. What was it like for you going to the game and covering it? Yeah, it was it was great. I Because um, press have to be there a little bit earlier. So I normally get there a couple of hours before the game starts. And uh, normally, because it's so far before kickoff, that you wouldn't be surprised to see it relatively empty around the Emirates. But it was packed from sort of Holloway Road going all the way into sort of all the sort of like artillery streets going into the Emirates Stadium were absolutely rammed. And uh, walking through, they had a, a brass band playing outside the armory, outside the club shot, which was fantastic. Got the atmosphere going, lots of people standing, filming. I think the weather obviously helped in terms of everyone being in a good mood. But the Emirates Stadium was looking fantastic as well. They've, they've done a few upgrades on it. They recolored the badge outside. The big screens were brand new. It's my first time. I didn't, pardon me, go to the Emirates Cup. So it's my first time at the stadium since last season. And it looks so much better and uh, everyone feels so happy. I think, you know, the tone for this game really was set in the Everton game when everyone knew that Arsenal weren't going to get top four, even though it was technically a possibility. But the atmosphere was still so amazing then. So for it to go one level up with all the wins in pre-season, the win last week, the new signings, the excitement, uh, it's, it's a really exciting and quite a fun time to be around Arsenal at the minute. Yeah, and you, you, you fixate on the word sort of exciting and fun. I mean, we've had a really good preseason, And of course, we went to Sellers Park on the first day of the, of the season, the season opener. We've gone there and won, you know, ground where we went just a few weeks ago. If you cast your mind back to the 4th of April, we got turned over quite handsomely and, and physically, we, you know, we were dominated. It's been a really good start for Mikel, hasn't it? It's been a good window. There are still obviously two or three weeks to go. We can still add maybe one or two players. But in terms of the football, the way the new signings have integrated, and of course, we'll eulogise about Gabriel Jesus and Sinchenko shortly. But, you know, the, the mood must have been really positive in the camp and, and of course, with the gaffer. Yeah, it's, it's upbeat. Arteta is very much now his biggest task is sort of keeping players' feet on the ground, which as opposed to, to this time last season, it was trying to raise everyone up because Arsenal were bottom of the league with zero goals scored. They've already got six goals this season and they're already second in the league. So, you know, things are going very well. And I think um, he's got a lot of players with good mentality who won't get too carried away and who are focused on um, an important start to the season. But if you look at the fixture list, Arsenal have been dealt quite a kind hand. And I think, you know, they've been very keen to 
to make the most of that. And so far they're doing it. They got their business done early. Preseason went fantastically. And yeah, the atmosphere is fantastic. And like I say, Mikel Arteta's biggest challenge right now is just keeping the players on course and making sure they don't get complacent. Indeed. So let's talk about the players. So bringing up on your screens now, the first slide of the new breakdowns for this season. Uh, I have uh, a graphic which shows... Ooh, and you know what? <laughs> I've tempted fate. I've messed it up. Right, let's go again. Let's go again. Uh, I want to, I mean, basically want to start with the team news, Kaya. So uh, obviously unchanged from the preseason friendlies against Chelsea and Sevilla, but also unchanged for the season opener, opener against Crystal Palace. Was that the right... Kaya? Hello, sorry. I lost you for a second there. Uh, I lost oh, you sorry. Live, live production. This is what <laughs> happens. Um, yeah, sorry. Can you see that on your screens now? Yes, yes. Excellent. So these pictures, courtesy of Arsenal.com, the, the lineup, I, I was just saying, was unchanged from the opening game of the season. Was that the right thing to do, in your opinion? I think so. I don't think anyone last week um, deserved to be dropped. I think most people put in fantastic performances. Um, you know, Ben White, right back, is a good player. And if Tommy Asu is not fully fit yet, there's really no need to, to rush him. Uh, if you look on the left-hand side, same goes for Kieran Tierney. Both been out for long periods of time. Now Arsenal have strength and depth in both those full-back positions. So no need to rush either, really. And in midfield, Smith-Rowe, you're going to bring him ahead of Martinelli? Not at this point in the season, when Martinelli scored last week and has been good throughout all of pre-season. Again, Smith-Rowe coming back from a few weeks out, so you don't need to rush him. And Fabio Vieira, unfortunately, is sort of still recovering from that foot injury. He was in full training over, over the week, but not ready to be in the squad. So I think the team largely picked itself. I think next week will be a bit more interesting as to whether Arteta tries to make a few more changes when the likes of Tierney, Tommy Asu, Vieira, Smith are a bit more fit. But I can't really see him making too many changes. I think this team is, because they started the last two games of preseason together as well, they've sort of got a bit of cohesion going. And um, yeah, they were really solid 11 players. Are you surprised at just how quickly Sinchenko and Jesus have sort of just settled in? I mean, obviously they arrive with Premier League titles under their belt, established players at Manchester City, Premier League proven. I get all that. But in terms of just how quickly they've settled into the system, like looking yesterday, they look like players that have been here for years. Yeah, Zinchenko a bit less so because the role he's been asked to do is essentially exactly the same as what he was doing at Manchester City. So there's not too much change for him. It's just the shirt he's wearing has changed from blue to red. But for Jesus, I think his role has changed almost entirely from being sort of a wide man who was supporting the attack to the main man at the centre of the Arsenal attack. And I'm surprised with how quickly he settled in and I'm surprised by how good a finisher he is. I know, you know, he was always a good striker for Manchester City, but I don't think any of us were really aware of sort of how much of an eye for goal he had. We knew him as sort of a striker who was better in sort of the, the build-up and supporting the team and working hard for the team. But I don't think we quite knew about his goal threat. Maybe that's just me. But um, yeah, I'm surprised at how quickly he's He's hit the ground running. Uh, he's come in very motivated to improve. And he, he's also making a few sort of impacts around the training ground. I think he's sort of saying to, I heard from a few people at the club, sort of he's not afraid to say when he thinks things are wrong, which is quite a useful tool to have. And with Arsenal's young squad, I think two guys like that who are very professional, very dedicated and very keen to impress, it, it certainly helps the, the squad dynamic. There are hundreds of you watching already live on this fine Sunday morning. Do hit like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you're new. Kai, a final thing in terms of squad and team selection. You can see on the subs bench there, obviously, we've got Matty Turner, new goalkeeper, will be the number two for this season. But like you just said, Kieran Tierney, Tommy Asu, Rob Holding, Elneny Lukonga, Smith Rowe, Pepe and Eddie Nketiah. All of a sudden, our subs bench looks a lot stronger than what it was last season. I mean, you remember the breakdowns we did last year. We had you know three or four academy players often on the bench making up the numbers. And of course, there's still three weeks to go in the transfer window. And I've seen a question about Tielemans, which will maybe come on towards the end. But 
I mean, when you look at that bench, it gives Mikel options. And just on the, the, the point of substitutions, Mikel took a little bit of criticism from me and many others about his late subs at Sellers Park, made subs again yesterday. Um, are you comfortable with this sort of in-game management and changes? Um, I, I agree. I thought the subs for last week were, were a little bit too late. I thought he allowed the pressure from Palace to go on for a little bit longer than it needed to. And I thought he could have intervened a little bit earlier, especially because Tierney and, and Ketty, I thought, made such a difference when they came on. This week, um, I think the, the nature of the game was so back and forth and it was so sort of uh, hectic for a lot of the time. I'm not sure too many subs would have made too much of a difference. I thought, again, the subs were pretty smart. Tierney and uh, Tommy Asu, two defensively solid fullbacks coming on for Zinchenko, who was fantastic going forward, but a little bit positionally suspect, especially for the second goal. Um, so it made a lot of sense. And Eddie came on for Jesus. The reason they're taking off Jesus so early is because they want to preserve him for the rest of the season because he's not been used to starting that many games at Man City, whereas... For Arsenal, he's obviously, as we said, going to be the main man. An interesting point about the bench, actually, which we sort of we had this debate in the in the press box, is um, when Fabio Vieira gets back from his fitness, he will, of course, be on the bench. But who are you dropping from that bench? It's it's, it's quite a strong-looking sort of subs bench, and whoever misses out will be unlucky to do so. I think you may be looking at El Neni, maybe looking at Sambi Laconga, maybe Nicola Pepe if he goes. But and you assume that you know Arsenal are trying to bring in another player, so. The bench suddenly looks very strong and you've gone from barely being able to field uh, enough academy players to fill the bench to having far too many uh, first team players to be able to field uh, a nine-man bench. So it's really positive for Arsenal. Yeah, really positive indeed. Uh, let's move on to the match itself. Then these images courtesy of Premier League.com. Uh, some of them might be familiar to you guys, but I will go through them in case the uh, text or font is a little bit too small on your screens. But look, the overall headline, we've obviously beaten Leicester by four goals to do. Um, in terms of statistics, uh, Kai, I'll, I'll pick out a couple that sort of surprised me. Possession-wise, uh, we actually had just marginally lower possession than Leicester City. Didn't feel like it, like being in the ground. I thought the first 10, 15 minutes was a little bit tricky, a little bit hairy. You know, they were defending deep. One or two really physical challenges. I think Fafana got booked on, on Marcinelli because Marcinelli ran him, ran him rugged the whole game. Um, Justin, you know, clawing back Bukayo Saka, uh, he, you know, for that foul sort of by the halfway line. And I thought to myself, okay, it's going to be one of those days where you're going to need either a set piece or something outrageous to break the deadlock. And of course it came, Gabriel Jesus with that first goal. Um, we'll talk about the goals in just a second, but shots on target, uh, seven for Arsenal, two for Leicester. We had 19 shots on goal in total compared to Leicester's six. We had more touches of the ball. They actually completed more passes than us. They made more tackles than us. And they, you know, of course, expectedly, they had more clearances than us. We had six corners compared to their two. And uh, in terms of physicality of the game, you know, the early bookings, and, and that was pretty much it. So the goals themselves, I mean, 20, just over 20 minutes in, uh, we get the ball on that left-hand side. It's worked into the box. Xhaka lays it off with his, you know, famous right foot. And Gabriel Jesus, I mean, standing still, controls it with his right foot, no backlift, and just chips it, dinks it over warding goal. I mean, what are you thinking at that moment? What a goal to start the the home season this year. Yeah, um, I in in and among the sort of the the rowdiness of the stadium I, as an Arsenal fan in the press box sort of had to try and keep my cool but I couldn't help myself from sort of banging the desk in celebration I was just it was an amazing goal and uh it gave me Alexis Sanchez vibes the kind of goals that he used to score you know those there's no backlift but managers get power and curl and height on all his shots it was incredible and the the intensity and the the quickness of thought to be able to notice ward off his line because he wasn't really off his line like he was he was you know maybe a couple of yards too far forward but his positioning wasn't terrible for a goalkeeper, especially a tall goalkeeper. 
but the accuracy required to 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 pick that top corner out and then the audacity to actually try it in the box from that position just shows how confident he is right now and he looks like a player who is comfortable where he is he looks like a player who is really enjoying the fact that he is the main man you know he says he's not the main man but i think he is and he wants as many goals as possible he's got a point to prove obviously brazil world cup squad he wants to get into that but I think he feels that last season at Manchester City, he wasn't the Gabriel Jesus he knows he can be. Whereas at Arsenal, he's been given the chance to sort of unleash his full potential. And that first goal was a real sign of that. It's just the confidence you have to to take that on and then the skill you have to actually execute it. Well, Hamid makes a really good point. So I've just put on, on screen Hamid's comment here. Really didn't know how good Jesus was. And I suppose my point there is we're both sitting here saying, you know, what a wonderful goal. When we signed him, Kaya, if you cast your mind back, you'll remember that there were a few Arsenal fans and non-Arsenal fans who were saying, you know, well, Jesus, not really quite sure. He's not really the prolific goal scorer. You know, he did play a role for Manchester City, but was never really the main man. Did you have any doubts that that he was going to come in and, and hit the ground running as he has? Yeah, yeah. Like I said earlier, I'm, I wasn't 100% sure about his capabilities as a goal scorer. I think the main reasons for that were his XG versus uh, goals ratio. I think he'd underperformed his XG in every single one of his seasons at Manchester City, except maybe that first half season when he came in. So he was a player who, yeah, had a few question marks over his finishing. And look, there there were a couple of chances he missed yesterday that he might have wanted to take. But I think confidence is such a massive thing with strikers and feeling like you're the main man. And also having everything flow through you does certainly help. It's worth noting that even when he was at Manchester City, he would still pop up with double figures every single season, which is already comfortably more than what any Arsenal striker for the past couple of seasons has done. So I think he's a massive upgrade. And I know I I didn't think he was as good at finishing as he has turned out to be. And obviously this is only after two games, so let's not get too carried away with ourselves. (laughs) But um, he looks very good, doesn't he? And I think we're all got... Oh, he does. He He, he looks sensational. I mean, he looks like he's been here for years and he looks like he's just going to be prolific for us. And... And prolific indeed he was. I mean, just 12 minutes later, uh, we went 2-0 up. It was a set-piece, corner kick or free kick, I think, came in from the other side. Jamie Vardy, of all players, getting the flick on at the near post. And Jesus, you know, like a predator at the back post, anticipating that, heading in, 2-0 up. I mean, again, lovely finish, striker's instinct. Yeah, pantomime villain Jamie Vardy popped up with the assist for, for Jesus. And again, this is another side to his game. So obviously, for all the excellent Alexis Sanchez type, sort of fantastic goals that he's capable of scoring... He's happy to score scrappy goals as well. He just wants goals. He doesn't really care how they come. And that kind of poaches instinct is something, again, I didn't really know he had because A, he played on the wing a lot for Manchester City, so you didn't see him in those kind of positions. And B, because I don't think he was really the main man. But if you think back to, I think it was maybe his first goal against Sevilla where he runs into the box to, I think, get a rebound off maybe a Martinelli cross or something. That kind of scrappy goal is the kind of goal that you need across a season. They don't all have to be world-class chips from the left-hand side of the box. You do need a few scrappy tap-ins from inside the six-yard box. And Arsenal did not get enough of those last season. That, for me, is why they missed out on the top four. So adding that to the squad and adding that instinct, that poacher's instinct. And I think Eddie actually looked really good off the bench as well. He looks really confident coming on and impacting games and possibly could have scored himself. So in two players, Arsenal have suddenly gone from having very little poaching instinct to having sort of quite uh, top-level poaching instinct. And that makes such a huge difference to the attack because in games gone by, Arsenal wouldn't have had the two-goal cushion when Leicester did come back into it because Jesus wouldn't have been there to turn home their dominance and turn it into goals. So it makes such a massive difference. And I think, yeah, Arsenal are reaping the benefits of some very smart investment. Yeah, and just a point on Nketiah. I mean, look, he came on and he was he was a dis- you know he's a disruptive menace. I thought 
you know, got himself in some really good positions, almost scored. And Gabriel Jesus, I mean, what a class act in his post-match interview. You know, wasn't even asked about Inketia, but he made a reference to him to say, look, Arsenal have got two good strikers. He pushes him, you know, we're sort of learning off each other, working together. And yeah, look, um, I've, I've been very openly sort of critical on this channel. I feel like I need to say it in case there are any sort of new viewers tuning in today, but I've been very critical of Eddie Nketiah over the last couple of years. I really liked the purple patch that he had towards the, towards the end of last season. And I've got to say, preseason looks fit, looks sharp, looks stronger, physically more mature, looks a bit more intelligent, knows when to go, knows when to press. Um, I, you know, I'm expecting good things from Eddie. And I, I just hope when he, you know, now he's back to cameo appearances that he can really get the confidence, get a run of games, whether it's in the Europa League or cup competitions and, and really get in and amongst the goals. I think he's also less obsessed with coming on and thinking, crap, this is my moment. I need to score. I've got 10 minutes. If I don't score, I've failed. He seems to just be playing the game now, which I think comes with maturity, comes with age and comes with a bit more security that you are part of Arteta's first team plans with the contract extension and with the run in the team last season. He's finally seen that, whereas before he might have felt on the fringes and like he had So you'll, you'll, you'll notice the sort of the build-up to that. So it's, it's, it's good. And I think he's improved a lot, not in terms of sort of ability on the pitch necessarily that much, because I think we all knew the skill set he had. But in terms of mentality, I think he, he seems a lot more confident in his position in the squad. Yeah, you're quite right. Uh, sorry, I just had some sound interference there. Hopefully you guys can hear me loud and clear. I can certainly hear you, Kai. Is that all right? Okay. Yeah. Um, well, look, I mean, we've talked about Gabby Jesus. We've obviously gone in a half time, 2-0, and I'm thinking, right, this is a lovely Sunday afternoon. It's going to be nice and calm. Second half, come out, bag another couple of goals, get home, happy days. Of course, we've come out in the second half. Very, very... Um, yeah, there's some comments coming in about some white noise. Uh, uh, Henry, all good now. Thank you. Sorry, my apologies. I have no idea what's happened there, but uh, we seem to be all good now. We've come out in the second half and against the run of play, William Saliba, poor William Saliba, nods past his own goal, uh, goalkeeper and makes it 2-1. At that stage, I suppose I was a bit curious to see how William Saliba was going to react because... We've been so complimentary about him, so excited about him, all you know, all the way in the run-up to ever since he signed to him making his debut at Sellhurst. I wondered what right is 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 the ground just going to open up and 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 you know swallow him up, or is he going to react and try and make it right, or maybe even try too hard? But I've got to say, he recovered and ended the game really strongly, and it made him sort of even even more angry. I thought, um, what did you make of the of the own goal and how he reacted? It was unlucky uh, in the sense that the outstretched boot sort of deflected. It could have gone anywhere and it went into the goal. Maybe he himself would feel he was slightly out of position, which is why he had to stretch, which, you know, does happen. You're allowed one moment of out of position across 180 minutes in the Premier League, your first 180 minutes in the Premier League. But for me, it was the first time I noticed his head drop in his entire you know, entire Arsenal career. It's been two games. But um, <laughs> during my time watching him in an Arsenal shirt and, you know, Ramsdale went over to console him. A lot of the players were sort of trying to build him up and, you know, he heard it, but I don't think he listened to it. And then suddenly the, he sort of walked over to his starting position, which was a little bit closer to uh, the crowd on sort of the, the far side of the pitch near where the away fans are. And they all gave him a massive round of applause. And the, the love for him from the Emirates crowd is intense. Like it's it's protective. It's like sort of mother and baby kind of levels of protective. And it's it's very, very nice to see. And before the game, he got as big a roar as any player, if not a bigger roar than someone like a Bakayo Saka or a Gabriel Martinelli, who have been fan favourites for years. And Arsenal fans were determined not to let him drop because he had been so fantastic for, what, 53 minutes before that. And 
His next sort of interception that he managed, he got a standing ovation from the crowd. Everyone was on board with him. And Mikel Arteta mentioned this in his press conference after the game. And I think, like we said about the mood before, I think that wouldn't have happened a couple of years ago when everyone was feeling pretty down on the team. I think people might have got his back. They might have been a bit less trusting in the young guy. They might have thought, why is he playing? Why aren't we playing a more experienced player? We've got Tom Yasso on the bench. Why are we playing him? Why are we risking it? But this time, everyone sees that Saliba's a young player. He needed a bit of support, and the Arsenal fans got behind him. And I thought it was really nice to see. And yeah, his reaction was fantastic. I think he was built up by the fans, and he was actually about to sort of go down the tunnel at the end of the game. And Albert Stoyfenberg, the assistant, went over to him and made sure that he went around and did a sort of a lap of honour and appreciated the fans for what they did, because I think they had a massive role in his recovery from that own goal. And I think it could have been a sliding doors moment for William Saliba, but as it was, with the result and with the victory, it turned out to be something we can all laugh about, really. Yeah, you're right. And it's, it's, it's you know, it's always interesting to see how a player kind of responds in that situation. And I'm really pleased that he's had this moment of adversity because we've been putting him up on this pedestal, rightly so, because he looks a supremely talented player. But you kind of wanted that knock just to kind of see what it does to his confidence, just to see how he kind of reacts. And like so many people have said in the chat, I mean, I do Beto says Saliba looks visibly glum after the own goal and the support genuinely lifted him. And I, it was a really wholesome sort of heart, heartwarming sort of uh, moment because, you know, I myself at the stadium, I've got up and I'm shouting William, but from the other side of the pitch, I know he's obviously not going to hear that, but collectively there was a real roar and there was a tackle, I think shortly after that, that, that Wayne's just mentioned in the chat. I think it was on um, Dakar uh, after the own goal. And it, it was, he received a really big cheer uh, from the crowd uh, which, you know, I remember as well. So, yeah, William Saliba, you know, unfortunate to, to, to kind of, you know, score into his own net, but he's, you know, the ceiling is, is just massive for him. A couple of minutes later, we're up the other end, and Granite Xhaka this time scoring and Jesus assisting. I mean, a bit of a clumsy bit of goalkeeper from Leicester, but listen, Xhaka's in the box. He's arriving with conviction. I mean, he hit the post with a header in the first half. He finds himself in another goal-scoring opportunity again. And he's getting in amongst the goals and he's celebrating, you know, wheeling away with the old heart to the yeah. Arsenal fans. What did you make of that? Yeah, he's another one who got a massive roar of approval from the Arsenal fans before the game. You know, you, you sort of you tell by which players are the most loved by who gets the loudest cheer when their names are read out before the game. And Xhaka generally doesn't get that big a cheer this season. I noticed he was as big as any of the others. And that's really nice to see because he's he's on a redemption arc that's very easy to get behind. And not only was he getting forward in the box, but whenever Zinchenko got forward, he did a fantastic job of covering him as well. I thought it was a really complete performance. And we keep placing these ceilings on Granit Xhaka in terms of how high we think he can go and what we think he can do and his limitations. So I don't think any of us really thought it was a box-to-box player. I think we sort of, <clears throat> pardon me, viewed him as a, a deeper line player, good distributor, not the most mobile, can play in a two at the base of the midfield. If you're looking at a 4-3-3, then questions start to arise. But he's adapted his game he's now a box-to-box midfielder he's now popping up in the box he's now a goal threat which i don't think anyone expected and he's smashing through those ceilings that we've 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 provided for him and it's, it's really impressive to see and you know you can't really write him off as much as you sort of as much as there's loads of arsenal fans out there who would like to see him move on and um i don't know if we can talk about Tielemans a little bit later but if you're sort of looking at the sort of the battle between the two i think jack definitely won out and yeah i think he was he was for me, one of the men of the match, if Jesus hadn't been so fantastic, my man of the match would have been Granite Xhaka. He was number two. And I thought he was he was excellent throughout the game and defensively superb, offensively also fantastic. Really the, the complete midfield performance. And you know, he's not he's not the captain. This was the sort of the, the headline that I went for in my piece this morning. He's not the captain, but he is still fantastic. 
Uh, yeah, he is. And my, my good friend Gunnar Punner on Twitter tweeted this last night. Granit Xhaka has played five different roles across four different managers. He's always on the team sheet when he's fit, and now he's appearing regularly in the final third for the first time in his career, age 29, as well as swapping out with Sinchenko. He's a model pro, and I'm chuffed for him. Today's goal wasn't a fluke. He's been arriving in the box repeatedly and you know, even nearly scored a header. The guy's playing left back in build-up, adding goal threat too. It's really impressive. And I think you're right. Look, I've been a long-standing fan of Granite Xhaka, right? Uh, you, you know that. Everybody who follows me knows that, obviously. I've got a sort of, you know, a really weird emotional attachment to him. But um, and he's not the perfect player. He does have his brain fart moments. He will go in into a clumsy tackle at some point this season. We know it's coming. But everything that Gunnar said in that tweet is true. He's ever-present. He's reliable. He plays to a certain level. He is elevating his game now, really getting, you know, finding himself in good positions in that final third. And managers seem to like him. And to get that reception yesterday by the Arsenal fans and the way that he celebrated, you know, wheeling away with that heart, it's just a really good um, indication as to how far his relationship with the fans and the club has come. You know, we all remember that famous moment where he told some fans to F off and took his shirt off and all that sort of jazz. But it's just good to see him happy and, and a happy Granit Xhaka and a good Granit Xhaka means a happy and a good Arsenal. Yeah, I think... In fairness, that heart, I think it was directed at his family who were sitting in sort of in that that level. That's generally where the, the player families, I think. Oh, was it for me? Sit. Oh, come on. I'm sure it was for you as well. I mean, they carried it on for a while. Um, but <laughs> yeah, the, the love is definitely there for, for Granite Jack in a way there wasn't. And also you mentioned managers love him, players love him too. You know, we see this in the in the dressing room, uh, in the Amazon doc. It's another fantastic thing about these first six episodes of the Amazon doc. We've really seen that he is the 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 loud guy within the dressing room and I think you know as much as we criticize him for his moments of hot-headedness look at Manchester United yesterday and look at the lack of leadership in that squad and the lack of accountability in that team if Man United I think had a character like Granit Xhaka in their dressing room I don't think they'd be suffering with a lot of the problems they're dealing with right now and it sounds strange to say because I would never have said this a year ago two years ago but um yeah I think Granit Xhaka is, is one of the more important players at Arsenal and I'm not surprised that he's keeping his team despite competition from David Vieira Zinchenko, Erdegaard, Smith-Rowe, uh, Lokonga, he still keeps his place and I think he fully deserves it. Well, look, 3-2 up, 20 minutes later, so around the sort of 73, 74th minute mark, James Madison pops up with a shot from a, a weird angle. Ramsdale perhaps could have done better, should have done better, and makes it 3-2. And then all of a sudden you're looking at the clock thinking, right, squeaky bum time, 15 minutes to go. What did you make of Madison's goal? I mean, Ramsdale really should have done better, shouldn't he? Yes, he should have, but I think... The, the error started a little bit before that. I think Zinchenko was out of position. I think Gabriel yeah. was slow to come across to close him down. And I think maybe on a day when it's not 35 degree heat and it's not the 75th minute, you get a bit more energy and that gets dealt with a lot quicker. But Ramsdale should have been more solid at his near post. Um, <clears throat> that's the kind of shot that you shouldn't really be allowing to go through you. And yeah, I wasn't wowed by Ramsdale's performance yesterday. He made a great save early on to stop uh, Fafana from scoring. Yeah. But I thought he got lucky with the penalty, to be honest. I, I I think he shouldn't have been charging out. I know Jamie Bardi made the most of it, but I thought there was actually a little bit of contact. And Mike Dean on VAR actually did Arsenal a little bit of a favour. I know that might not be a popular opinion. But um, for yeah, for the second goal, he, he should have done better. And, uh, you know, he, he was good last week against Crystal Palace. And his passing is, is looking, you know, up to the levels it was last season. But... He does still, as a young goalkeeper, have these moments where he loses concentration. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that's something that will iron out from his game throughout time. And, you know, I, I, this isn't me saying, you know, drop Ramsdale or anything like that. It's just noting that I didn't think he was great yesterday. 
But yeah, he's not the finished article. You know, we yeah. accept that. Uh, 23 when he joined Arsenal, you know, goalkeepers don't even peak until he's nowhere near his peak. You know, he's got to get to 30 yet. So he can absolutely raise his ceiling. You just prompted me into two things. I mean, you talked about the penalty. Uh, I won't talk about much more about that because obviously everybody saw on VAR and everybody's entitled, entitled to their opinion. But what I would say, Kaya, being someone in the ground yesterday, it was a much quicker VAR decision reaction than we've had certainly like in seasons gone by you know yeah. because I imagine he might Dean might have looked at that three or four times but if it's a tech or it's a decision making time or whatever it is that was very much appreciated by by someone being there and said you know the last thing you want is the game stopping and you've got 90 seconds 120 seconds 180 seconds three minutes sort of going by without any decision it's very frustrating and then on Ramsdale that pass that he did to Gabby Jesus in the first half from that goal kick and then Jesus, like, bringing it down, holding off the defender, turning him, creating it into a chance. I mean, if I tried reenacting that in my garden, I'd end up on a stretcher. But, you know, just <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. His distribution is just... And you can see the difference. I mean, I don't want to pick on United, but David De Gea, like, you know, it's 2022 and the guy's still in goal for Manchester United and he couldn't pass a ball to save his life. So yeah. uh, Ramsdale has really elevated that aspect of our game. Um so 3-2, 15, 16 minutes to go, plus injury time because of the because of the water breaks. I'm sat there thinking, oh God, this could be this could be bad. But a minute later, uh Martinelli. Now, there's a couple of things about the goal. And actually, the highlights, unfortunately, if you depending on what highlights you watch, but if you watch the Sky Sports sort of YouTube uh, highlights, it doesn't show the best bit of the goal, which isn't the finish. And it's the fact that Martinelli wins the ball himself in midfield from a Leicester player gets the attacking uh, the attack going two or three nice neat passes later he's picked up the ball on the edge of the box and he smashed it home with his left foot and it was a beautiful finish you know it's a goal that i didn't think he had in his locker with his left foot but the way he won the ball kaya you know and this this remind this actually makes me think like martinelli's game has gone from here to here and it can get so much better but he's so intelligent he's such a workhorse he's Arteta a couple of years ago or a year ago said something about him, you know, not always running 100 miles an hour and needing to learn when to go, when to press, when to trigger. And then you look at Steve Round's comment in All or Nothing, spoiler alert, where he said, uh, Gabriel, you know, I love Martinelli. He's a diamond. He trains as if it's his last day on earth. I mean, I love that guy. And <laughs> what and what a goal. Uh, talk, talk us through, you know, what you saw in front of you and how it made you feel. I love him too. Um, I think the the press is something he's always been very good at. But you mentioned ad, needing to add gears to his game. Again, 75th minute, 35 degree heat. If he'd ran himself into the ground in the first hour, I don't think he'd have been able to do that. He is adding more gears to his game. And he is the one who was chosen to complete the 90 minutes, not Bakayo Saka, which is interesting. Um, I also thought it was interesting that that goal came to the right-hand side rather than the left-hand side. So he's proving that he can he can do it no matter where he is on the pitch, which is good for Arsenal in terms of their versatility of options. I also thought, if you're Leicester, what on earth are you doing giving Gabriel Martinelli that much space on the edge of the box to get a shot off? It was crazy. It was kamikaze defending. And he's shown that he is, you know, as much as I think he got a bit of criticism for his end product last season, but... It seems to have improved and he seems a lot more confident. And the the understanding he has with Jesus is really good in the sense that they interchange positions. So Martinelli, we've always had these debates. Oh, where is he going to end up? Is he going to be a nine? Is he going to be a wide player? Ah, he needs to pick one position. No, he's picked both of them and he's doing both of them really well. And I think it's fantastic to see. And I think Arsenal look a much more unpredictable attack because he's in it in the sense that he can go into the middle, he can go onto the left, he can go onto the right, and that makes him impossible to mark. So if you're a defender trying to track him, if you want to man mark him, you can't do it because you leave massive holes in the in the defence. You know, if this was him up against Marcelo Bielsa's leads, then I think Arsenal would have profited even more. 
And those are the kind of players that defenders hate playing against. Uh, Arteta said he wouldn't like to play against Gabriel Jesus as a defender. I wouldn't like to play against Gabriel Martinelli as a defender. And two goals in two games is proof that he is getting even better. And, you know, with the increased attacking output that Arsenal are creating right now, I think he's someone who's going to benefit from that. And hopefully he'll score lots of goals this season. He is indeed. I and mean, it's just going to be really, really exciting to see. Uh, and that, of course, was the last goal. So obviously Arsenal winning four goals to two. I've brought the passing network up courtesy of Scott Willis, who is O underscore that underscore crab. And already, I mean, you might remember some breakdowns we did last season where Alex Lacazette's little dot was the tiniest <laughs> little dot and so obscure. But look at Sinchenko. I mean, the influence he's having, obviously, so that so the, the bigger the circle, the, the more more touches the player's having in the game, the more influence he's having. Sinchenko is all over that. Um, and, and Jesus, you know, it's a nice big circle. The team structure looks nice. You know, William Saliba being the deepest defender, Gabriel being allowed to push up, Sinchenko really pushing up into that sort of uh, opposition half. Ben White, look how far advanced he is. Um, it's, a, it's a much better passing network than we've seen uh, over the last sort of year, isn't it, Kaya? Yeah, um, it's interesting. Yesterday, the attack was very focused on the left-hand side. And last year, I mean, Odegaard and Saka, in a performance that was really good offensively, weren't the main men. Last year, that would have been unthinkable. They were the sort of the, the creative outlet through which the attack flowed, and Arsenal couldn't really attack without either of them being involved. This year, Zinchenko certainly helped in terms of his ability to keep possession on that left-hand side. But the Arsenal attack has gone up a level in terms of its versatility and diversity in the way they sometimes go left, sometimes go right, sometimes go straight through the middle. And we spoke about unpredictability just now with Martinelli. That spreads across the whole attack. And yeah, Arsenal's defence looks so much better. And yeah, we talk about not having an idea what certain teams are trying to do, the, 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 the not sort of being clear on what the plan is at Arsenal, to quote Gary Neville. You look at that squad, uh, look at that passing map right there, you can see very much what the plan is. It's a clear 4-3-3. It's clear that they want the number eights to push high. It's clear that they want the wide forwards to get even higher and the centre forwards to drop a little bit deeper to link the play and the fullbacks to come in field to support possession. So it's, it's so obvious what Arsenal are trying to do, but it's very difficult to stop because you don't know how they're going to do it with the different players they have, the versatility of the players they have. And they just look so good right now. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I know the bubble's going to burst at some point and that's what's sort of scaring me. But until it does, I'm going to try and enjoy it as much as possible. Well, before we look at what uh, Mikel Arteta said after the game and look at the league table and close, just your closing thoughts on on Leicester City. Um, look, clearly they're having some issues in financial difficulty. You've got one or two players there with, you know, one foot out the door. I mean, Fafana yesterday playing as if he'd had his bag packed, you know, bags packed in his car, ready to go for that, you know, once he gets the agent's call. Do you have any sympathy for Brendan Rodgers? Do you have any sympathy for Leicester? Or is it is it just this is as good as it's going to get for them? I think Leicester's model has a certain um, ceiling. It's a bit similar to Southampton uh, in the sense that they'll, they'll go out and buy players, but unless they buy, they keep sort of replacing the players that they sell, their model is unsustainable. And, you know, I, I think, you know, the way they've, they've gone about doing it, it's been immensely successful. They've won a Premier League, they've won an FA Cup, they've regularly qualified for European football and for a club of their size, that's fantastic. But I think, you know, their lack of identity under Brendan Rodgers. People keep talking about Brendan Rodgers needs a bigger job. I think the reason he will never be sort of among that elite level of managers of a Guardiola, a Klopp, um, uh, even an Arteta, if I can include him, is because I don't really know what he wants to do with Leicester. I don't know. If, he, if Leicester were to go into the transfer market tomorrow, I don't really know what kind of player they'd want. I don't know what a Leicester player is. So they change every week and it, it does frustrate me seeing Brendan Rodgers getting talked about among the best managers in the Premier League because I think he's a bit similar to Unai Emery in the sense that if you want a one-off game, a one-off victory, there's your man. 
But if you want across a whole season and a distinguished style of play, I don't think he's your guy. And I think Leicester's uh, sort of attempts to succeed sort of have have limits. And uh, I think we're seeing those limits. And, you know, look, they'll, they'll, they could get 90 million for Wesley Fofana, which would make him the most defen- expensive defender in world football. And they'd probably reinvest that smartly and they could get money for Tiedemann, they could get money for Madison. So we'll see. But I do think... Um, yeah, I have I have issues with with Leicester and I have issues with Brendan Rodgers. I don't want to be too harsh on them while they're down, but yeah, I think they've they've kind of reached their their limit. No, that's fair. Um, so look, after the game, you've gone into the press conference, or was it done remotely again? Or no, was it no, in, all, in all in person this year, and we got hot food back at the Emirates as well, which is fantastic. My first. That's experience a nice touch. Food, what, what's on the great. menu? What's uh, on the menu? So what did you have? One beef with rice and a bit of tofu noodles, veggie spring rolls. Bit of cake, uh, uh, half time with scampi and chips. Man, I'm I'm gonna put on so much weight this season with um <laughs> with with hot food back at the Emirates. Everyone spoke about it like it was this mythical beast because I came in the middle of COVID and haven't been able to experience it at all. But it's definitely been worth the wait. It was very nice. Well, to be fair, man, you're a growing growing lad and you're six foot <laughs> six for everybody watching. Kaya yeah. Kainak is six foot six. When you when we bumped into each other at the all or nothing premiere. <laughs> I sort of I was at your like your chest level and I looked up and I was like, who is this giant? And it was you. It's incredible. Um, look, I've just brought up some words on Mikel Arteta, so the gaffer. So you've obviously gone into a press conference. I mean, I, I watched it on YouTube last night. He's in really good spirits, isn't he? Really happy. You know, he's pearly whites on show, very, very sort of happy. I mean, what was the mood like? And obviously I've just put up the quotes on the win, and of course, Gabriel Jesus. I mean, he was in he was in, in a really good mood, wasn't he? Yeah, he was very upbeat, as you'd expect. I think he actually quite enjoyed the game because uh, it was a very exciting game. And I think he felt buoyed by the fact that he's someone who I think really thrives off the connection with the fans. He's always been very big on it. And I think now that he's starting to see that come into fruition in terms of the fans getting very much behind the team, chanting his name from even before kickoff to well after kickoff, uh, supporting Saliba, all that kind of stuff. There you go on the fans' quotes. I think he's really enjoying it. So I think, yeah, Mikel Arteta is in a very good mood and hopefully that can continue. I mean, a lot of people say that managers often have an open goal when they come to talk about fans. But, you know, we started this breakdown on that subject. There's a, such a positive vibe. And I suppose my question to you now, Kaya, is let's say a result doesn't go again, doesn't go for us. You know, Bournemouth away next Saturday. I know they've just been thumped by, by Manchester City. But potential banana peel. You know, if we go there and get turned over, let's just say, I don't want to be you know, negative Nancy, but let's say it happens. Is the, the the positivity, the excitement, the encouragement that the Arsenal fan base feel going to still be there on that Sunday morning? Or, you know, because everything just feels so nice right now. But you know what football is like, right? I hope so. Uh, I hope so. I think I think that the, the the positivity will stay. I think it's it's built up. It's built up to be stronger than just one loss sort of shattering it quickly obviously you'll get idiots on twitter saying stupid things like within the first 45 minutes of that pre-season friendly against nuremberg where i saw tuna down arteta out was trending obviously that you know that will probably rear its ugly head again but i think the majority of arsenal fans have sort of wised up to that kind of stuff and they, they can see where arsenal are going so even if they do lose and we spoke about less than already having an identity arsenal have a clear identity you saw from that passing map you saw from the transfer business they've done we all know what Arsenal are trying to do and it's easy to get behind now so if it works fantastic and everyone will be really really happy and if it doesn't obviously disappointing but I think everyone sort of knows what they're looking for and that makes the team so much easier to support. The the one thing that I wanted to focus on was Mikel's comments on how Gabriel Jesus has raised the level of some of the other players and lots of comments have been in that in the chat he talked about how it sort of lifted the likes of Saka and Martinelli and I mean, it's just clear to see, isn't it? The way that he's a model pro, the way he works and, and demonstrates his effort and his intelligence on the pitch. 
the the relationship he already had with, has with Martinelli is fantastic. Not not quite the same yet with Bukayo. Is that something that worries you, or is that just gonna? It's bound to come. No, um, I think that's more just because the attack's flowing down the left hand side. I think when the attack moves over to the right hand side, probably when Zinchenko comes out of the team at some point, then we'll see Saka involved a lot more. I just think that's a case of that. I don't think it's um, he's sort of not forming a good relationship. Also, Martinelli, sorry, um, Jesus is right-footed, so if he wants to cut inside, he will just drift over to the left naturally, a bit like Thierry Henry used to do. So that's just that's just a, a symptom of that. I don't think it's a case of uh, his relationship with Saka being bad at all. And I think, you know, Saka will continue to be an excellent player and is very much so for Arsenal. Oh, I love Bukayo Saka. Right, I want to end before I go to just a couple of questions on the Premier League table. I know it's very early, but let's bring it up anyway because it is always <laughs> good to see. Uh, this is courtesy of PremierLeague.com. So look, Manchester City lead the way. Two wins out of two, six goals scored, none conceded, a thumping victory against Bournemouth yesterday at home, where, of course, we travel to next weekend. And look, little old Arsenal, second in the table. Uh, again, two wins out of two. Um, just yeah, the two goals obviously conceded yesterday, so the goal difference is against us, but... I mean, look, it doesn't tell us anything apart from there's one key takeaway for me. When you compare light for light fixtures to this season and last season, you know, we beat Leicester City at home last season by two goals to nil. So we expected to kind of win uh, today. But Palace, as I said at the, the start of the show, three nil defeat uh, just a few weeks ago. And so already on last season, we're three points up in comparative fixtures. Uh, Brentford, obviously, with a really impressive victory against a terrible Manchester United team yesterday in third place. Newcastle um, uh, climbing up into fourth. And Chelsea and Spurs, of course, play later today. I mean, you know, the league table doesn't really tell you anything, but you've got to be encouraged by what you're seeing, Kaya. Yeah. Would you mind just scrolling down to the bottom for a little Sunday morning treat for everyone? Just to, just so we can get a little bit of early enjoyment. Absolutely not. They, they, they didn't hold that last season, no so we've got, we've got to try and relish in this this season. Of course, you've got Wolverhampton Wanderers, you know, newly promoted Forest, you can oh, see missing, there. aren't they? West Ham. I can't, I mean, how far do you want me to go? Uh, uh, let's go one more. Any further, it'll be Championship. Oh, oh, there they are. There they are. There, there they are. are. I mean, look, United, it just shambles. Uh, t- complete disarray. And if you saw the post-match, Jamie Redknapp and Gary Neville getting very, you know, look at me when I'm <laughs> talking to you. Uh, very sort of heated, which was uh, very interesting to see. But look, I don't want to... Don't want to tempt fate because obviously we go to Old Trafford just in a few yes, weeks' time, yeah, but it is good to see them there. But yeah, going back to the question, you can't get carried away with with just two games on the board, but we've got a nice run now. The next three or four fixtures are kind to us on paper. Yeah. Um, you must be excited by what you see. Yeah, I, I think going into the season, I, did, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but um, the, the, the fixture list has been very kind to Arsenal in the sense that they play one big six team, I think, until October, and that big six team is Manchester United. So it's looking positive for Arsenal. And if they can get a good run going pre-World Cup and get momentum going pre-World Cup, we have to remember that that is going to be a factor this season, which is very weird in the sense that the season will break for essentially two months, which is going to be bizarre. But um, I think he's doing a a good job with Arsenal in the sense that they're picking up all these wins that they need to get. So the big six games will obviously be decisive and it will help to, to uh, to beat our rivals if we can. But under Arsene Wenger, the team used to finish in the top four, they used to have not the best record against the big six teams. And the reason they, they got in the top four was because they won all these kind of games. So if Arsenal could build up consistency, build up confidence against teams that they should be winning against, then fantastic. And yeah, you know, uh, it's a very promising fixture list. And that's what makes it so difficult not to get carried away. Because I think if it was Man City next week, I think everyone would be like, OK, look, you know, it's been a good start. Now let's really see how good we are. 
but there's not really a big test coming for for quite some time. And uh, with all due respect, you know, the teams are still playing because Bournemouth did look good on the open day of the season. But I do think Arsenal can build a bit of momentum here. They can get some good points on the board. And as opposed to previous seasons when Arsenal have been playing catch-up every single year and every game has been so important in the second half of the season, now if they get points on the board early on in the season, suddenly they'll be looking a lot more positive. And that's a very nice position to be in, given what Arsenal fans have been through in the past couple of years. Should have the league title wrapped up by March. Uh, right, <laughs> just before we go, uh, there are just shy of 600 of you watching live right now, which is insane. Drop a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel if, you, if you're liking this content, if you're if you're appreciating what you see. And of course, follow Kaya, who is at KayaKynak97. The year that you were born in. Disgraceful. Disgraceful. <laughs> right, a couple of questions for you, Kaya. Uh, first of all, is a very quick one. This is courtesy of Wayne's World. Hope you enjoyed a Prime drink. Uh, did you try Prime? Have you tried it since you've uh, since you've been at the stadium? No, I didn't see any bottles of Prime in the in the Emirates Stadium. Unfortunately, I still don't know what it is. Is it an energy drink or is it water or what? what yeah, it's it? like a no. So it's like a it's like a yeah a flavored a flavored drink. I don't know if it's quite an energy drink. I mean, again, comments uh, do let me know, guys. But there's a tropical version and a blueberry and raspberry version. And uh, I was at the Emirates Cup and people next to me were drinking them and they they didn't like either. So <laughs> yeah, well, let's wait and see what happened. But you know, you didn't do that. Um, I want to ask you uh, this story. One of your colleagues on Football London broke a story about Moises Saicedo from Brighton. Any truth in that? Um, have you, have you, have you heard anything more about that? Do you like the player? Uh, I like the player. I, I it wasn't um, one of us on Football London. It was someone in the mirror. I think he wrote ah, about it. My apologies. But, uh, no worries. No worries. But um, I, I haven't heard anything about it. Unfortunately, okay. uh, I guess Arsenal are looking for a left date. So, you know, maybe that makes sense, but are Arsenal looking for a left date? Cause the, what we're hearing sort of is that they're willing to, to wait for Tielemans. Yeah. Uh, answering your question, Vivek, you know, they're not, they're not in a hurry to sign him and they're happy with the midfield options they've got. Which, in fairness, at this stage of the window, they would stay because they want to drive the price down. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think there's anything in those Caicedo links for now, but we'll see what happens throughout the window. We will indeed. Uh, well, look, Kaya, that's been really, really fun. Um, it is a glorious Sunday. And like you said, red hot Arsenal on a red hot Saturday, <laughs> bringing the points home. Really, really fun. So, look, if anybody wants to follow Kaya, Kaya is, of course, at Kaya Kayanak 97 of football.london. Kaya, thank you so much for joining me today. Really appreciate that. Thanks for everybody watching. Um, hundreds of you watching still now, which is insane. I love it. Thanks so much for the support. Like the video, hit subscribe to the channel if you like what you're seeing. And uh, we will probably have a late night latte tonight to round up all the weekend stuff. So until then, uh, look after yourselves, enjoy the day, use sunblock and see you soon.